three of A Woman's Way by Thompson Buchanan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act three. Scene. The dining room in Howard Stanton's house, a large handsome room finished in dark tones, with hangings and draperies of deep rich red and maroon. At the rear centre a large handsome mantel with wood finishings. On either side of the mantel are arched doorways, leading into the conservatory which is in plain view. On right, upstage, a door to butler's pantry. On right, downstage, a door to other part of house. On left, downstage, double doors leading in from main hall. Just above doors, upstage, an old-fashioned eight-day clock, evidently an heirloom. Dinner table is near the centre, a little to the right, so that the fire throws a glow over the table and the people seated there. The room is lighted with candles on the dinner table and the glow of the fire. Discovered. It is near the close of the dinner announced at the end of Act Two. They are seated about the table in the following order. Marion, to her right, Belle Morris. Then Bob Livingstone, Mrs. Stanton, General Livingstone, Mrs. Blakemore, Howard, Sally, Morris, Mrs. Livingstone, and Oliver on Marion's left. Wilson and the second man are just bringing the coffee. The women are all in high spirits, as are General Livingstone and Oliver, but the other three men show signs of being on a decided strain. At the rise of the curtain, General Livingstone is bending toward Mrs. Blakemore, talking earnestly in a low tone, the others watching him, more or less amused. "'Come, come, General. You gentlemen of the old school are too gallant.' "'Now, now, that was a secret. You must not let Mrs. Livingston know how prettily I pay compliments. She'll be making me do it all the time.' Marion, across table. Will you listen to that dear old humbug? Do I understand that you really can pay compliments? He's been flirting shamelessly. As a married woman, I felt almost compelled to interfere. Mrs. Blakemore and General Livingstone make laughing protests. Whitney raps upon table and rises. Being the only unmarried and therefore unprejudiced man at the table, I feel called to the judicial position. Now, Siren, what have you to say for yourself? Am I allowed counsel? Whitney, looking in succession at Morris, Stanton, and Bob. I dare counsel to appear. Dare? dare? Why, 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 I... Robert! Yes, dear. Mrs. Blakemore, satirically to Bob. And I was just about to choose you. The sentence of the court is that General Livingston shall pay a compliment aloud to each lady present at once. Impossible. General, General for, shame. for shame. General, for shame. For shame. For shame. The condemned refuses. General Livingstone, with a courtly bow to ladies. He must refuse. The most charming things would merely be truth. What chance have we young fellows against that? Wilson comes in through doors down stage left, bends over and speaks low to Stanton. Stanton to Wilson, low. Tell him I cannot see him. Wilson exits. Morris, seeing Howard, is disturbed. Anything important, Howard? 
Newspaper reporter. The two men exchange glances. Oh. What's his name, Howard? I know some of those fellows. I wish, Bobby, you'd be more careful with whom you associate. You'll be mixed up in some scandal next. There is a general but discreet gasp at Sally's speech. If I am, dear, you'll thank heaven I know them. They're the squarest bunch in the world. To their friends. Marion has been watching Stanton closely. Bobby asked you the name, Howard. Uh, uh, Lynch, I believe. Mrs. Blakemore, with a shiver. Oh, sounds horribly southern. Perhaps it's important. Had you not better see him? Wilson re-enters and Stanton looks at him inquiringly. What is it, Wilson? Wilson comes over, speaks low. Beg pardon, sir, but the reporter says it's very important and you'll regret it if you don't see him. What impertinence! I don't know what we're coming to in this country. It is a threat. The idea, Edward, why don't you speak to him? This is something you know nothing of, dear. And he is your friend, Bobby. My husband's friend. Yes, praise heaven. Don't you think you had better see him, Howard? Marion, you cannot expect Howard to be bullied into receiving such a person. It's an outrage. I think nowadays people of position are too lenient with that class. The papers are taking advantage of it. They are becoming entirely too aggressive and impertinent, attempting to regulate the entire community. For my own part, I make it a rule never to speak to one of them. Yes, I know a lot of people that way. Stanton to Wilson. Show the reporter out, Wilson. Yes, sir. Moves down stage left, exits. Do papers in the South take such unwarranted liberties, Mrs. Blakemore? Oh, my goodness, no. If you don't want anything in, you call up the editor and tell him so, and he keeps it out. I think we will give you gentlemen a chance at your cigars. I hate sitting around a table after dinner. May we smoke in the conservatory, Howard? Certainly, General. Men except Bob follow the General and Stanton into conservatory through archway at rear to right of fireplace. Marion likes going this way to the drawing room after dinner. It's a pleasant little make-believe country trip. Yes, the conservatory is beautiful. Such splendid care of it shows Howard's taste. The Stanton men are all fond of flowers. Women exit through archway to left of fireplace. Marion remains on, detained by Bobby. When others are off, she comes down stage, followed by him. Marion, what are we going to do? We? Shakes head. Oh, no. What are you going to do, Bobby? But something must be done. I know her. If she isn't stopped, she'll be coming here. Coming here and calling me Bobby. Bobby! Bobby, just as she used to. Only it won't sound the same now. And soon Sally will be divorced. Oh, Marion, you must save me. Poor boy. You're in a blue funk, I know. Sally has been putting you through the bride's third degree. 
you've been over the jumps. She told me of those two whole evenings of miserable happiness she spent with a wet handkerchief for giving you stuff you confessed about your terrible past. Fake stuff it was, Bobby. And if she finds out this real thing... But why did you let him invite her here? I didn't let him. But you could have prevented it. I suppose you mean why didn't I tell Howard of your affair a year ago at Palm Beach? Yes. Marion, pretending to be horrified. Bobby, how can you? Don't you remember I gave you my solemn word not to say anything about it? You've never released me from that promise. I couldn't tell Howard. Anyhow, with men, I've noticed the best way is to let them find out for themselves. And there's only one thing to be done. I release you from your promise. You must tell Howard. Marion, shaking her head. Oh, no. You must tell Howard. I? I? But, oh, Marion, you know him better than I do. You know her better than I do. Very well. I'll tell him. I'll tell him tonight. Morris comes on through arch left center, sees the two, and starts down toward them. Bob notices Morris, lowers his voice. Shh! Oh, fat Morris. He's the good thing. I introduced him in Washington. Think she's an angel from heaven, poor sucker. Morris, coming down stage. You two seem to be always conspiring. What is it this time? Nothing to alarm you this time. Don't look so worried. Gee, Ned, you look all in. What have you got on your mind? On my mind? Nothing. No one ever accused Ned of having anything on his mind. All right. I'm going for a smoke. I'll remember Marion. Goes off through arch, upstage left. Marion to Morris. Hadn't we better confess? What makes you think I have anything to confess? I don't think. I know. I don't understand. Do you remember the Army and Navy game last fall? Of course you don't, though. Belle was crazy to go over, but you couldn't take her. You were too busy with a... client. Yes, I was very busy. Indeed you were. What an absorbing profession the law is. After the game in the Walton, I sat three tables away from you and your client, and you never saw me at all. How you do concentrate. But if you guessed everything, why did you let her come and me come? I didn't think it would do any harm. What's going to happen? I see. You think if she isn't stopped, she'll be coming here, and coming here and calling you Ned, Ned, Neddy, just as she used to do, only it won't sound the same, and soon Belle will hear of it, and Belle will get a divorce. Good God! Oh, Marion, Howard must be told. I don't honestly believe she'll tell him. You mean that I must? Just as you feel about it. 
Of course, if you'd rather have Bell find out. I'll tell him. After all, he should understand. Yes, I count on your making him understand. Bobby knows nothing. Bobby? He introduced me. Of course, he... Why, to her, he was a child. Oh, he introduced you. He was the good thing. He thinks her an angel from heaven. Poor. He doesn't even suspect the truth. I'm sure of that. Of course, a woman like Mrs. Blakemore could not be interested in the antics of a raw boy. Oh, no. To interest her, it requires a man of poise, a man of dignity, experience, brains, substance, of weight, like yourself, for instance, Ned. It's wonderful how congenial she and I are. Whitney appears, arch, right center, comes down stage. Marion, seeing Whitney. Ah, Oliver, have you come to confess? I? No. Has Morris been confessing? Absurd. Confess? I? Why, how ridiculous. Yes, very ridiculous, Ned. I wish to speak to Howard. He's still in the conservatory. He's, uh, with Mrs. Blakemore. I'll see him when he's through. Starts upstage, exits left archway. They are all in it, Oliver. Howard the worst of all, I guess. Crosses and sits on sofa downstage right. Yes. And I'm miserable. How can I help you? Love me. Marion. Do you mean it? Sits beside her. Marion, shaking him by the shoulder. Pretend to, I mean. Don't be stupid. You promised to help me before dinner, and you haven't done a thing yet. Whitney, with comprehension. Oh. Oh, you're not very complimentary. Would it be so very hard to love me just for a little while? Go as far as you like. Don't mind me. You are a dear, Oliver. You must make him jealous. If he is jealous, I'll know he still cares. If he doesn't... Oh, I couldn't stand it if he doesn't. Oliver, you must make him jealous. Lays hand on his hand affectionately. Well, let's get this pretend business started. Puts his arm about her waist. Dearest. Marion, removing his arm. But he isn't here yet. Oh, I'm to make an exhibition of myself a Howard. That's the idea. Yes, that's the idea. And for her, for Puss, too. Puss? Don't you call her Puss? Everybody else does. Stanton enters conservatory left center with Mrs. Blakemore. There he is now. Oliver, dearest. Stanton starts angrily, takes a step their way, and is evidently about to interfere when Mrs. Blakemore restrains him. During the following scene, Stanton tries repeatedly to come down to interfere, but is restrained each time by Mrs. Blakemore. Marion, solicitously. Oliver, dear, has the thought that I may be free soon quite taken away all your powers of speech? That's pretty good for a starter. Follow up. How can I speak? 
Oh, to suffer and to struggle hopelessly all these years and then to find myself so near the goal of ultimate desire almost overwhelms me. Ah, dearest. Guess that will hold him for a while. Oliver, don't urge me, dear. Remember, I am still married. Don't press me too hard. Take my hand, you idiot. You're not pressing anything yet. Stanton is wild with jealousy, but the presence of Mrs. Blakemore keeps him in check. Mrs. Blakemore is also decidedly curious and doesn't know just what to make of it. Oliver, Oliver, Oliver. Here, take this one. Giving hand to Oliver. Remember, I am still married. Do you love me? Look, look, can you doubt your eyes? I won't stand this. Oh. Place's hand on his arm restrains him. Look. How soon can the divorce be secured, dearest? I tell you, I'm going to break his neck, talking that way to my wife. It's splendid, dear. Listen. Splendid nothing. Tries to break away from her. She stops him. If it had not been for that automobile accident, I might have drifted on to the very end of my days and never found out what I really thought. Oh, that blessed automobile accident. Whitney draws her to him. This disgraceful exhibition has gone on long enough. Marion and Whitney jump up apparently much confused. Mrs. Blakemore slips away out of sight into the conservatory. Whitney, in tone of man caught with the goods, but has determined to brazen it out. Stanton. Oh, Howard, were you out there? I didn't know. I have been here since the beginning of this disgraceful scene. At least I hope it was since the beginning. Why, uh, uh why, we thought you were with Mrs. Blakemore. Yes. Stanton turns on Whitney. Whitney, how dare you make love to my wife? Stanton, your wife? Our wife? They confront each other. You can't have them all, you know. At least allow Oliver the discard, Howard. You, Marion, my wife, you can say that? I can't understand it. I sat there. I, I could not credit my ears. In my house, you, my wife, forgetting yourself, me, answering the love of such a man, bringing him into this house? Such disgrace. Have you no shame? Turns to Whitney. And you, Whitney, you, my friend, how have you repaid me? When his head is turned, Marion shows every sign of happiness, realizing his jealousy is a proof of his love. My friend, and my wife, and my own house, I brought you here, I welcomed you, I trusted you, and this is how you have repaid my trust, my friendship? Have you no manhood? What would you think if I... Did you hear that? Did I hear what? I thought I heard someone throw a brick through a glass house. General Livingstone and Bob come on through arch right center. General Livingstone as they come on. A remarkably attractive woman, Robert. Remarkably attractive. Yes, sir. Marion, downstage. All of the other women will believe I'm monopolizing you men. I had better join them. I hope to see all of you in a very few minutes. Certainly. 
When he crosses with Marion upstage left, she passes out through the left arch. Whitney turns, starts back down stage. General Livingstone, as Marion exits. Robert and I were just discussing Mrs. Blakemore, Howard. We agreed that she is a very handsome woman. How did Marion run across her? Uh, I, I don't exactly know. Don't know? Whitney, rejoining others. Quite accidentally, wasn't it, Howard? Yes, that's it. Quite accidentally. Oh, I see. Just one of those queer coincidences. The way charming women frequently come together. Exactly. Uh, by the way, General, this is just my chance. I've often wanted to get from your own lips the story of the bullet hole in this interesting bit of statuary. Indicates clock. Crosses back of General Livingstone to clock. Why? Haven't I told you that story? Whitney looks downstage away from the general, so audience can catch the look of extreme resignation and boredom on his face. General much pleased. It was over a woman, of course. Back in 1770, two loves made a serious business. Voice sinks lower, talking earnestly, with Whitney listening. General and Whitney pass out into conservatory through arch rear center. Morris is sitting at table center, drinking now and then, smoking vigorously, and plainly worried. Bob, in front of table, to Stanton, speaking low. Well, you played hell with this party. Stanton, not knowing what to expect. What do you mean? What do I mean? I mean the weather, the airships, the Japanese war. You know what I mean. I think you played it low down. Look here, Bob. Don't go too far. You refer, I presume, to one of our guests. Bob, bowing elaborately. I do. Why was she invited tonight? Of all times, tonight. Why not tonight? Well, don't you think it's very embarrassing when you consider everything? I don't see... Why, me? Mrs. Blakemore, suppose Sally should get next. Phew. You? Mrs. Blakemore? Sure. Didn't you know? I thought you must know. I told Marion. You told Marion? Looks at Bob in dazed, horrified fashion. Yes, when I was tied up with Puss. Stanton gasps. Puss? That's the name I used to call her. Pet name. Oh, I see. The name you used to call her. Yes, it was last year at Palm Beach. We've been awful good friends for a long time. She did like me pretty well, so of course I felt like a dog when I had to do it. But, you know, I met Sally and fell in love with her. I couldn't stand for the other then. You know, so I went to Marion. Marion is a good fellow. You can't pull the wool over Marion's eyes. I made a clean breast, and Marion figured what to do, and got me out. Stanton almost collapses. Marion knew? Bob nods. Got you out? That's what she did, dear old girl. General Livingstone, finishing his story aloud, enters with Whitney. 
So the seconds placed them on either side of the dining room, and they fired across the table. The Englishman's bullet struck that old clock, and he crumpled up dead across the room beside the fireplace where all his love-making had been conducted. That was the way my great-grandfather avenged a wrong done a female member of his family. It was proper in those good days. But dueling is out of fashion nowadays, General. A great many of the good customs have gone out of fashion in this damnable era of selfishness. But I'm forgetting. You will go with us to the opera? You're sure you have room? I'll telephone right up and have an extra chair put in the box. Winnie makes a gesture of protest. No trouble, not in the least. Howard, where is the phone on this floor? Stanton, coming out of his crushed daze. Oh, through this door, General. Opens door, lower right. Can I do anything? No, thank you. Exits, closing door. Morris, with a little gesture of decision, rises from the table and comes to the fireplace to meet Stanton, Bob, at the same time moving over toward Whitney on the left. Morris, down right, embarrassed. Well, Howard, it's one on me. I'll have to confess, confidentially, of course, because I need your help. Uh, what is it? I did not think I'd ever be caught with the goods. And after all my lectures to you, too. Caught with the goods? What do you mean? Why can't you speak out? You lawyers get so in the habit of beating about the bush. Caught with the goods? What goods? Morris, smiling in asinine fashion. Uh, ah, uh, very charming goods. You'll admit that, Mrs. Blakemore. My God! It is bad, I'll admit, but you can understand, after your experience with the mysterious lady in the automobile, can't you, eh? Yes, I'm beginning to understand. Morris, with huge relief. That's the best of having a damned rake for a brother-in-law. When you get in trouble yourself, you can come to him. Stanton, losing his temper as it sweeps over him, what a fool he has been, and mingled with that feeling, the pain of his wounded self-love lets his voice rise gradually to tone of vibrant anger. Yes, a, a damned rake for a brother-in-law. That's what I have. Morris, making desperate but vain gestures to quiet him. Shh, Howard, please. The other two come over hurriedly. Why should I shield you? Yes, a damned rake. How dare you? the husband of my innocent sister. My God, man, you won't tell Belle. She'd leave me in a minute. Well, why shouldn't she? But it's all past. Lose her for what's past. Lose her fortune, you mean? Stanton. Howard? Stanton crosses Morris to Bob. Stanton whirling on Bob. You too, Livingstone, you're no better. How dare you protest to me? To Morris. He just finished telling me the same. Bob and Morris, turning to each other, exclaim simultaneously with wounded pride and amazement. You, you too? Both nod. Bob, amazement and involuntary anger. I introduced you. You took my place. Morris, angry in turn. Somebody had to take it. Well, I'll be damned. 
Stanton between the two with bitter contempt. You both ought to be, indicates Morris and Bob. Married ten years, married one month, the same. Two modern gentlemen, a nice state of affairs, a pretty state of affairs, a pleasant situation. Whitney whistles, puts his hand to his ear, and stands listening intently. The three turn and stare at him. What's the matter with you, Whitney? Oh, nothing. I thought I heard another brick go through that glass house. You are right, though, Stanton. It is a pretty situation. Now, if we only had the name of the lady in your automobile accident, it might be perfect. Stanton, center, suddenly brought to earth. Huh. Stands with jaw dropped, looking at Whitney. The situation is held a moment, then General Livingstone re-enters at right, downstage. General Livingstone, as he enters. I managed to have two chairs placed in the box, Whitney. Suppose we take Mrs. Blakemore up with us. I tell you, she's a charming woman. Makes me feel young again. Stanton, center, aside. Next. What's that, Stanton? Don't you think she's charming? Stanton, completely unstrung, with elaborate effort at self-control. Yes, I think she's charming. Everybody seems to think she's charming. Uh, of course. Why, if I were young... Nods his head after the fashion of an old man who has had his conquests. Morris and Bob drop down left. Stanton, losing all control. Oh, there's no age limit. I suppose you'll be like the rest, calling her puss and begging me to help you out. Sir, how dare you? What do you mean? Mean? I mean nothing. Ask them. Points dramatically at Bob and Morris left, turns and flings himself out through right door lower, slamming it after him. No wedding bells for me, whistle from Whitney. General Livingstone, amazed, looking after Stanton. What's the matter with the fellow? Has he gone suddenly insane? Looks at Morris and Bob, who are left. What is it? Morris, hesitating. Probably he, uh, has worries of some sort. He's, uh, he's, uh, often abrupt, you know. Bob shakes his head, signifying that he cannot explain. I haven't the slightest idea, Father. But Puss? Puss? What of Puss? Puss? What, what of Puss? puss? Whitney, on General's right, coming to the rescue with a quizzical look at the others. Uh, that's a pet name, sir. In, I may say, quite general use. Stanton is worried. I'm sure he hardly realized what he was saying. He's had a great deal to upset him recently. That automobile accident. I'm afraid we teased him a little, and that with this reporter's calling tonight put him off. I'm sure he'll be back in no time to apologize. General Livingstone, nodding. Ah, to be sure. I'm sorry. He's had his lesson. He has. General Livingstone to Morris and Bob. Now you boys stop plaguing him. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. Wilson enters downstage left, carrying silver salver on which there is a note. Looks about surprised. General Livingstone crosses Bob and Morris. What is it, Wilson? 
A note for Mr. Stanton, sir. That reporter is back. A note? Whitney goes up. Yes, sir. General Livingstone, looking about at the others for confirmation of what he is about to do. It's a shame to bother the boy when he's so excited already. It's some trivial matter, doubtless. I suppose it will be all right for me. I should think so. He'll thank you, Dad, for taking it off his hands. I'll do it. Takes note from Wilson and reads, an expression of amazement and anger coming on his face. Well, such impertinence. What is it, Dad? General Livingstone reads aloud, his voice trembling with indignation. Mr. Stanton, sir, we have identified positively the lady who was with you at the time of your automobile accident. All the papers are clamoring for the story. We are going to release the story unless you prove our identifications wrong. I would advise your seeing me. Harry Lynch, City News. Bob gives a low whistle, downright front of table. Phew, that Lynch has a nerve. General Livingstone, center, still trembling with indignation. I'll see to this. That poor boy shall not be worried by this damnable hounding any longer. Whitney, down center. I hesitate about suggesting, General, um, but don't you think it might be well to have Morris see him instead? As a lawyer, Morris could make the necessary threats of libel suit. Lawyer the devil! This is no time for a lawyer. This is time for a man. To Wilson, grimly threatening. Show that reporter in here. Yes, sir. Exits downstage left. Careful, Dad. He's the star man. General Livingstone, trembling with rage so he can barely speak. Careful, huh? You see I am calm, quite calm. I wouldn't like to be Lynch. Lynch enters downstage left, ushered in by Wilson. Lynch is dressed as an Act One. He glances about room quickly, sees Morris, but pays no attention to him, catches Bob's eye, smiles slightly, nods. Hello, Livingston. Evening, Lynch. General Livingstone, still struggling to suppress his anger. Well, sir? Lynch looks at him curiously, quite undismayed and rather amused. Yes? I am General Livingston. Lynch, carelessly, in tone of one getting off stereotyped speech. Oh, yes, General, I recognize you. We know most of the big men. General Livingstone, holding up Lynch's note. What do you mean, sir, by this note? My note? Isn't it quite plain? I think, though, I addressed it to Mr. Stanton. Plain? It's too damnable plain. It's despicable, contemptible, blackmail. Lynch, turning to Bob. Livingstone... You ought to know better than to let your father make such a silly mistake. Whitney, front of General. General? Dad? General Livingstone, center to Bob. Hold your tongue, sir. To Lynch. I represent Mr. Stanton, and I tell you, sir, I do not propose to have him hounded in this damnable fashion any longer. I shall hold you personally responsible. General, you're the fifth man who said that to me since three o'clock. What? 
and if you do physically assault me general i shall certainly land you in the night court and collect space on the story spread on the front page sure famous old soldier fined for brutally assaulting innocent young newspaper man general livingstone stands completely dumbfounded his hands twitching quivering with rage general livingstone gasps almost tearfully have you newspaper men no sense of personal decency personal dignity don't be too hard on us general during business hours our associations are very bad what do you mean we have the name of the lady who was with mr stanton in his car at the time of his accident we have learned all about the trip and we have the woman's name so i have come to give mr stanton a would the paper print that would they print it well smile significantly then i shall say nothing but our lawyer will take action you'd better take it quick you'll have fifty reporters up here by tomorrow night if mr stanton refuses to say anything we will simply send out the story that the woman in the car with him at the time of his automobile accident was pause then with dramatic emphasis mrs elizabeth blakemore general livingstone starting back in amazement good gracious bob and morris turn face each other absolute amazement showing on their faces speak together well what do you think of that whitney alone is not surprised the situation is held a moment and stanton enters downstage right he does not see lynch at first stanton as he comes on general i wish to apologize stops short seeing lynch General Livingstone, whirling on Stanton. Apologize? Apologize? How dare you, sir? My great-grandfather killed his man for just such an insult. Stanton, misunderstanding. I did not mean to insult you, General. Whitney, stepping in between. All this can be of no interest to Mr. Lynch. He wants a direct statement. Turns to Lynch. I'm sure, Mr. Lynch, if you'll come with me just a moment, Mr. Stanton will give you a statement. Lynch is reluctant to go, but Whitney, in the most friendly fashion, takes him by the arm and practically ushers him out into the hall. When you wish to see Mr. Lynch, Stanton, he'll be here with me. Exits after Lynch, closing the double doors after him. General Livingstone to Stanton. Now, sir, we have only members of the family here. I will settle with you. Uh, settle with me? Although you did steal my daughter, I had forgiven you. I had come to think you a gentleman. Even for her sake, I forgave this recent scandal. But such shameful, such dastardly conduct passes all consideration. Bringing that woman into this house. Horse-whipping is too good for you, sir. Palming off this woman on my daughter. Your wife. Your innocent wife. If I were only younger... Glances toward clock with bullet hole in it. They knew better how to settle a case of this kind in the old days. I can settle it, father. Stanton, turning fiercely on Bob. You? 
the men confront each other. My poor child, she must not know. Marion, appearing in archway left center, looks in reprovingly. Haven't you ungallant men finished your cigars? Sees the strained attitude of all, comes in quickly. What's the matter? No one speaks. Tell me, what is it? Marion, Mrs. Blakemore must leave this house at once. Father, I do not understand. Don't ask questions, Marion. Just accept your father's word. She must leave, and then I will take you home. Marion shakes her head. But Mrs. Blakemore is our guest, father. You are our guest also. You must explain. That reporter got in, Marion. Marion, a light dawning. Oh. You cannot stay with decency under the same roof with the woman whom the scoundrel has palmed off on you. I invited Mrs. Blakemore. Marion! I know everything. I knew when I invited her. Marion, you are insane. No, father. Only sensible. To Stanton. Is that reporter still here? In the hall. Ask him to come in. Stanton hesitates. Bring him. He shall not. Father, I told you once what concerns my own life. I must settle my own way. I don't want to appear disrespectful, but you cannot coerce me in my own house. Walks past him to rear of door downstage left, opens the door. Good evening, Mr. Lynch. Won't you come in? You too, Oliver. Lynch and Whitney enter, the reporter surprised, rather suspicious. Marion holds out her hand to Lynch. How are you? This is an unexpected pleasure. I hope you will believe me, Mrs. Stanton, when I tell you that it is not a pleasure to me to have to come on this errand. Thank you, Mr. Lynch. I'd rather talk to Mr. Stanton. Sorry, but... Her manner is pleasant and friendly, but firm. Lynch evidently likes her. With a shrug, he accepts situation. Then please understand my position, and how I regret personally the questions that, as a newspaper man, I must put. Marion bows. Bluntly, Mrs. Stanton, we have the name of that woman. Yes? And we are going to publish unless it can be proved wrong. I'd expect that. Who is she? Mrs. Elizabeth Blakemore. Lynch pronounces the name regretfully. Marion stares at him a moment in amazement, then throws back her head and gives way to a peal of laughter. The men on the stage stare at Marion, amazed. Oh, this is too good! Too good! Forgive me, Mr. Lynch! Goes off into another peal of laughter. Turns to the men. <laughs> Howard! Dad! All of you! Did you hear that? What a splendid joke! The men try awkwardly to back her up. Splendid! <laughs> Fine! Ha <laughs> ha! Ho ho! I never knew anything like it. I told Mr. Lynch he was on a cold trail. You can't laugh me off. 
Marion, struggling for self-control. Of course not, but you must forgive me having my laugh first. I'll offer more substantial proof. Moves to arch left center, calling in her most dulcet tone off left. Elizabeth! Elizabeth, dear! Puss! Mrs. Blakemore, her voice off stage left. Yes, Marion, dear? An amazed gasp from the men. Mrs. Blakemore appears at the door. Come in. Mrs. Blakemore enters, looks about quickly, almost fearfully. Marion slips her arm about Mrs. Blakemore's waist in reassuring fashion, laughing, but at the same time giving Mrs. Blakemore a warning pressure with her arm. Don't say a word, dear. The greatest joke you ever heard. Come. Mrs. Blakemore, following suit, slips her arm about Marion. They come down stage to Lynch. Their arms are about each other's waist, most affectionately. The men are staring at them, dumbfounded. Marion and Mrs. Blakemore stop opposite Lynch. Marion speaks gaily. Mr. Lynch of the City News, may I present Mrs. Elizabeth Blakemore? Mrs. Blakemore? Mrs. Blakemore, bowing pleasantly. Glad to meet you, Mr. Lynch. Mrs. Blakemore. And you see, she's not lame a bit from her broken leg. What's the joke? You would not expect Mr. Lynch to find plaintiff and correspondent so friendly. Mrs. Blakemore, gasping. Plaintiff? Correspondent? Yes, dear. Mr. Lynch came all the way up from downtown to tell me that I'm going to bring a divorce suit against Howard, naming you as correspondent. Now wasn't that sweet of him? She keeps her warning pressure about Mrs. Blakemore's waist. Mrs. Blakemore, taking the cue. This is awful, horrible. Now, dear, don't lose your sense of humor. To Lynch. Are you satisfied, Mr. Lynch? Forgive me, Mrs. Stanton, but you are so confounded clever, you might run in a ringer. Reaches in his pocket, brings out a picture, holds it up and compares the picture with Mrs. Blakemore, finally looks up. Guess you win, Mrs. Stanton. Thanks. Bows satirically. Yes, you must be right. I don't believe even you could put your arm about the other woman. A suppressed gasping exclamation from the men. The observation hardly requires an answer, Mr. Lynch. Sorry to have disturbed you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Lynch exits. Mrs. Blakemore starts to drop her arm from about Marion. Marion seizing Mrs. Blakemore's arm and drawing it back tight about her waist. Hold it. Hold it. He came back last time. They stand posed expectantly with set smiles. The door begins to open. Yes, indeed. Quite the handsomest man I have seen in years. Lynch reopening the door. I beg your pardon. His face falls as he sees the picture undisturbed. Marion, sweetly. Did you forget your gloves, Mr. Lynch? Er, uh, I thought so. 
But I find I was mistaken. Good night. Good night. Door closes after Lynch. The women drop their arms from about each other's waist sharply, then step wide apart with instinctive dislike. There is a moment's awkward pause while the situation is held. Then Marion smiles the conventional smile of a conventional hostess. Marion, I insist. Father, will you and the boys join the others? They are waiting. Mrs. Blakemore and I will come in a few minutes. General Livingstone makes as though to speak. Father, please. Very well. Crosses left and exits through arch left, followed by Whitney, Morris, and Bob. Mrs. Blakemore, when door has closed. Mrs. Stanton, I don't know how to thank you for what you have just done for me. You've quite disarmed me. You had it in your power to make a very ugly scandal, and you saved me. I am powerless. Your generosity beats me. Did you think I did that for you? Do you think I could have done it merely for you, Mrs. Blakemore? No, I did it for my husband, for his honor, for his good name, for my own good name. I did it to save his mother the pain and the despair of an ugly scandal. I did it to save my own parents from suffering. I did it to give my husband a chance to realize his true position. I do realize it. Turns to Mrs. Blakemore. Oh, my eyes are opened now. I've been a fool, a dazzled fool, but now I see clearly. You've done that. You've opened my eyes. You've shown me what a splendid woman my wife is. Thank you, Mrs. Blakemore, for teaching me. And good night. Marion to Mrs. Blakemore. No, I'm through. Take him. I give him to you. Exits quickly through right door lower. Not for mine. You'll get all that's coming to you after I'm gone. Good night, my friend. A pleasant evening and good luck. Exits double doors left. Stanton stands a moment staring after her, then turns quickly to door downstage right. Calls. Marion. Marion. Marion enters. Has she gone? Has who gone? Puss. Oh, she's not my puss. Not your puss, Howard? Then whose puss is she? God knows. Maybe. Marion, I've loved you all the time. I've been a fool. A weak, dazzled fool. I love you. Won't you take me back? Take you back? Why, I've never even given you up. Do you think I could stand for that cat? Puss, I mean, in this house and me off in Reno? Curtain End of Act 3 End of A Woman's Way by Thompson Buchanan